Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball, a special breaking news episode for you guys. The wait is finally over. The news that we've been waiting for for weeks has finally come down. The Red Sox have hired a new chief baseball officer, and his name is Craig Breslow. So the long, painstaking process of numerous names turning down the Red Sox, other names not being interviewed, uh, finally, they have settled on Craig Preslow. So I am here. I'm your host, Jason Kelly. I'm here with Micah Storms. I'm here with Terry Cushman. So guys, let's dive right in. We've been waiting for this for a long time. We finally have some resolution here. Uh, Micah, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on Craig Breslow being hired as the new CBO for the Red Sox. I think you nailed the intro there, Jason. I am just glad it's finally over because it, it I think I said it the other day, it felt like it was just a, a big joke, um, this entire process. And it sure made the, the Red Sox organization not look very serious. Um, that might not have been the reality, but that's the way it was kind of portrayed um, in the media. But with this hire, I'm I'm excited. I like Brezel a lot. It's a guy who he spent two different stints with the, the organization, um, a total of five seasons he was a part of. So I'm very intrigued um, to have a guy who you know has a good feel for the organization. Uh, he won a World Series title here. So that's exciting. Um, and just to know that it's a guy from Boston, the, the Boston area. So I, I like the hire um, out of pretty much anyone that was a candidate. Um, I know Terry and I, we had a show the other night where we both – probably wanted Levine more than anybody. Um, but Breslow would have been a very close second for me. Um, but with Breslow, there's a lot of risk. It's complete unknown. This is a job he's never done. Um, we can speculate that we probably would assume based on his pitching background that he will probably focus on pitching, but that's just speculation. We really don't know what his plan will be, um, what his, how aggressive he will be in the open market. Um, I'd be curious to know uh, what his pitch was to the Red Sox ownership group because I believe they were in on the second round interview. So what was his pitch for this upcoming offseason? Was he pitching, we're going to spend, we're going to commit $600 million uh, in free agent money? Um, I'd be surprised if that would be the case, but uh, I'd be curious to know how aggressive they plan to be because I would imagine that would be a part of the interview process because this offseason is a massive one for this organization. So uh, I'm excited, um, but um, there's risk, just as much risk as there was with Heim Bloom because Bloom had never had this position before. So um, it's kind of wait and see, and we'll we'll have to see. I mean, it's it's exciting that we can finally now move forward. So I'm excited about that. Terry, your thoughts on Breslow? You know, so many names got kicked around after Bloom's firing. Like, it just seemed like the beat writers were doing it within minutes after. Oh, look, put this guy on the radar. Put that guy on the radar. <laughs> Never in my wildest imagination did I think we would turn to a former player who's never been a number one or a number two in a front office. Um, this isn't the guy any of us imagined. 
after all those guys basically bowed out and took themselves out of the running and uh, Kim Ang as well. Um, I probably could have been more politically correct there. Uh, but once they all came out, I mean, it was pretty slim pickings. And this morning, I well, I woke up at noon. So um, I woke up this afternoon. But um, the first thing I did, I checked MLB trade rumors just to see if there was a big story. I knew it would be on there. And uh, Thad Levine was not only out of the running, but the Red Sox took him out of the running. And I'm like, I'm like pitching a fit. I'm like, what, what's going on here? How can they botch this that bad? And it seems like the report that came out a few days ago that Breslow was in advanced talks with the Red Sox. That was broken by uh, Patrick Mooney, who writes for The Athletic, and I think more specifically the Cubs part of The Athletic, said that he was in advanced talks, and then cold water got poured on that, but it doesn't look like there was a second interview at all. Uh, you know, So it seems like Breslow was their guy. He must have impressed Kennedy from the get-go, and... There is a lot of risk here, and but the the one thing that's definitely addressed is you have a guy who can fundamentally transform a pitching staff. He did that in Chicago with Justin Steele. Uh, he he basically helped Kyle Hendricks, you know, revitalize his career. So. At least that part's been addressed. As Micah said, what's the mindset with spending? How aggressive are we going to be with free agents? How aggressive are we going to be, excuse me, with trades? That all remains to be seen, but I can't wait to see how it plays out, you know, transaction by transaction. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the infrastructure of the front office is going to look like now because, okay, you got Breslow in his CBO. Does he hire a general manager to work alongside him that, you know, is going to be sort of his, um, you know, his, his moves guy. Uh, that's what I'm curious about because I do like the pedigree. I like his history and what he's done with the Cubs. And um, I like that he's, he's an educated guy. And obviously, you know, you remember when he was playing um, Red Sox teammates and other teammates of his from every other team he played on said he was the smartest guy they knew. Um, and that's great. That's, that's a great thing to have, but you know, we heard, that Hyam Bloom was super smart too. You know, he was another guy who came from Yale and, you know, was big into analytics and all oh, this guy, you know, he's, he's all about the future and he's going to figure it out. And he made some good moves, but at the end of the day, his major league moves were trash. And it was a big reason why he got trashed. So I'm just hoping that Breslow, it doesn't turn into a Hyam Bloom 2.0 situation where, you know, they let him run the show a little too much and it's just more, you know, well, we got this guy because the analytics say this, this, and this. And no, we're not going to spend a lot of money and we're going to try to, you know, piece it together like that. I don't think that's the case. I don't think the Red Sox would have hired him if it was. But I just, I do have a little bit of concern with, again, a guy who's never been in this position before. He has a huge checkbook to work with if the owner lets him. And I think the owner will. Um, but does he know how to do that properly? And, you know, the, the execution of that is going to be a big part of this. So I'm curious to see what happens next. I do think another name is going to drop as to, you know, who he brings in to work alongside him. It could be Eddie Romero as well. You know, it, they could say that 
Breslow's a CBO, Eddie Romero's your GM, and this is what we're rolling with. Um, that wouldn't shock me either. So I'm more just curious about the the power structure of it because I think the power structure is what failed when Bloom was here. You know, it was too much power on his plate and not enough with other baseball people in the room who could have said, well, you know, maybe let's not make that move because we got to actually win games this year. Um, I think the Red Sox know that. I think they'll make the right the right move in that case. But that infrastructure is going to be interesting to see how it all shapes out. Earlier in the day, before this got a ton of momentum, there was speculation on would Breslow be the number one or the number two? Because there, there, some of the beat writers were speculating, well, he might end up being the general manager and then somebody experienced will be brought in, you know, above him. And but Alex Spear put that all to bed and said, no, Breslow will be the president of baseball operations. So I'm personally hoping that he gets to pick his own guy, hopefully externally. I want as many fresh minds in that front office as possible. And hopefully not a lot of ownership input. Hopefully it's just he's kind of given the reins and he can do what he wants. I certainly hope we exceed the luxury tax this year. We're going to have to if we're going to if we're going to get, you know, our pitching, you know, upgraded adequately. I don't think there's a lot of work to be done in the bullpen, but um, but yeah, hopefully there, there can be some upgrades there. We talked, Micah and I talked in the last show about how Chris Young took over the Texas Rangers and really went for it with DeGrom on a massive deal that kind of blew up, you know, the Nathan Avaldi contract, you know, the first of the three years has been up and down. I still have no remorse in not bringing him back. I mean, Evaldi's second half was bad 7.14 era on the injured list he flipped the switch in the playoffs and more power to him but i think if you put evaldi with his trajectory you know along with the the trajectory we had this past season we still missed the playoffs so i i hope there's a lot of uh, attention paid to risk in terms of durability and yeah i mean and with Yamamoto, he's the guy we all want. But <laughs> if Steve Cohen's involved, I don't know. So, yeah. I'll tell you one guy I do hope he targets, and I put this on social media. I want Lourdes Gurriel to be my right-handed outfield bat. He had a 3.0 war, 24 dingers, I think 84 runs batted in. Very athletic. I, I, that's a guy I'd love to see him target. But, um, but yeah. Another thing, too, uh, in terms of the pitching coach, I've mentioned this a few times, and it makes perfect sense with Breslow, I think. Carl Willis, he was the pitching coach under John Farrell. Rick Porcello won his Cy Young under him. Three other pitchers won Cy Youngs under Willis. Uh, Corey Kluber, CC Sabathia, I forget who the fourth one was. Um, but he was Breslow's pitching coach for part of his tenure here. So there is some familiarity there, and uh, I would certainly welcome that. Andrew Bailey's been mentioned, but I, I think that's just something that's been 
kicked around. I mean, I only want that if Breslow wants that, but he has to have his own guy. And I'd be shocked if he's doesn't already have a short list of guys he wants to bring in that he knows are good. Yeah. And I think Breslow doesn't necessarily have to, you know, spend the most money. You know, I, I'm not concerned if he doesn't want to do what the Rangers and Phillies do and just go, you know, balls to the wall in terms of spending. That's not going to scare me off from him. I, I'm totally fine if you want to do, you know, what like Mike Hazen did, where, you know, he got Moreno and Guriel in that trade for Varsho. Do a move like that. Like something like that's fine. You don't have to break the bank. You know, this Arizona team's proven that they're what, not too far away now, as as we record from potentially going to the World Series. So you know, they didn't spend a ton of money. Um, I, I'm not worried about that so much. I think they will spend. I think they, you know, understand that they have to, especially with the amount that they'll have to, you know, revamp that pitching stuff. But I don't think you need to be handing out like, you know, absurd contracts and just, you know, um, spending $300 million in one offseason to get it back on track. My hope is that Breslow is smart enough where he looks at the Dombrowski's and, you know, the uh, Chris Martin's of the world and or um, Chris Young's of the world and says, okay, yeah, that there's a scenario where spending works, but then he looks at a story like the Diamondbacks and goes, but there's other ways to do it. I don't have to break the bank and, you know, just spend absurd amounts of money that may not all work out just to get this team back on track. So that's my hope is that he sort of has a vision for both. Like, yeah, it'd be nice if you wanted to go out and get Otani. Uh, it'd be great if you wanted to trade for Juan Soto and then extend him to a huge contract. But if you want to get your starting pitching by being creative with trades and maybe, you know, looking at the depth of outfielders you have in your farm system and saying, okay, Jaron Duran exploded this year, but it may not last. Let's trade him for in a package for a frontline starter who ends up winning us 15 games next year and, you know, gets us back into the playoffs. If he makes moves like that, I'll be happy. And, and I'm hoping that that's sort of, the vision that he has um, because I, I don't think that you can do just one and just the other, you know, Bloom wanted to do it just a creative way, right? He didn't want to spend a ton of money. I know he signed Devers. I know he signed story, but you know, those were sort of different scenarios in terms of pitching. You don't have to just spend a bunch of money. You can be creative with it too. There's a balance. So I'm hoping that he introduces a little bit of balance to his approach to rebuilding this pitching staff, which is what they desperately need. Um, so Mike, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on how Brezel will sort of approach things this off season? I think the, um, circumstances are much better for Breslow than they were for Bloom when, when he, when he took over because, and I think that matters because the, the, the finances were tight. The farm system was pretty depleted and, um, they had a lot of just, guys on short-term deals or needing extensions and that's tough to come into a situation like that so this this time around financial flexibility a good farm system a lot of controllable young position players i think he's set up to succeed but now it's just finding those pieces um to kind of go along with the core that's already here um in terms of the pitching I do kind of think they have to spend and they have to spend a lot um, because I I think you could probably make one trade for a number three or number two starter. I don't think there is a, an ace out there that the Red Sox could trade for um, with their with their um, 
prospects. I just I, I don't think they're going to trade Marcelo Meyer in any deal. Um, I, I I think Roman Anthony might be a difficult a guy for you know the Red Sox to part with. So if you're not going to part with those two guys, how are you going to acquire an ace? And I think that's something that we'll have to kind of wait and see on. Um, but I do think they have to go out. They have to make a big splash with one of the free agent pitchers out there, whether it's Yamamoto, uh, Montgomery, um, Nola. I, I really think the Red Sox need that boost because that, that rotation, who is it? Other than Bayo, who who do you have in that rotation? And we saw last year, you, you know, they, they thought they had one or two guys and next thing you know, they're doing two bullpen games. So I think they have so much work to do in that rotation um, because I don't think you can go in in the season with Sale as your number four or number five, Cutter Crawford as your five. Like I just – Tanner Houck as a – I just don't think you can do that. They're going to have to make decisions whether you trade Houck, Whitlock, one of those guys. Like if you move them or you make them relievers or you commit to them being a starter, they, he has a lot of decisions to make. And he has to make them fairly quickly because what they decide to do with Whitlock, Hauk, um, Cutter Crawford, even Sale, how they view him going into next year, really determines how aggressive they need to be early on in the offseason because you can't wait around with pitching. Because once the first pitcher goes, then um, you know you're left with two options or three options that are you know front of the rotation arms. And then when you get down to one more, then you're in a bidding war and you end up overpaying. So they have to make these decisions very quickly. And I'm glad that it's only October 24th and they have the guy in place because you have five days till after the World Series. The World Series starts Friday. So that means by next Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, legitimately the World Series could be over. And then you have five days after that. So they they need time to develop a plan. Um, there's a lot to decide on, and it'll be interesting to watch. And I don't think we can necessarily judge Breslow based on one off season because, you know, he could go win the World Series. We've seen somebody do that in their first year, and then things don't work out. So it's going to be a, you know, a multi-year evaluation. But uh, I really do think the pieces are in place for him to to be successful. There's one word I do not want to hear ever, and I'll immediately concede that, yeah, it, it's not all or nothing this year, but I don't want to hear the word rebuild ever again. I don't want to hear it for 10 years, okay? I want to spend money. I, you know, I think realistically you're going over the luxury tax if winning is a priority. I don't want to blow past it. I, I don't necessarily want to be a top three or four payroll. I'm not, I'm not asking for that. But you do need to upgrade some pitching. You're going to have Chris Sale coming off the books. That'll free up quite a bit of money. That's after the season, I mean. Um, maybe there's a creative way to get out of Trevor Story's deal. I don't know. But, you know, creativity, you know, is definitely um, a good thing. And, I, and by creativity, I don't mean... Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley, Alex Benellis, and Alex Hamilton. <laughs> Find a way to take Jackie Bradley's contract on and, and suck miserably. Um, we're not looking for that. But, you know, Micah mentioned a few names, a few others. Now, I, I do have some biases, and I'm not necessarily into these guys. But uh, Blake Snell, 
Sonny Gray, uh, Lucas Giolito, all mid-level guys that theoretically could help. I want to see at least a couple of those signings. And I don't know what Yamamoto's market is going to be. I'm assuming it's going to go north of 200. But um, I wouldn't mind paying that for a 25-year-old pitcher. Um, But I I, I just want to see a change in mindset. And speaking of mindset, here's another thing that I I hope we get clarity on uh, at the first press conference. How analytical are we going to be? Because we're looking at the Diamondbacks here. They're up four to two and more power to them if they hold this lead and go to the World Series. But Micah and I were talking about in the last episode, you know, I I don't like Brandon Fott being given 18 batters and that's it. No matter how he's pitching, he's out. Merrill Kelly last night removed after five innings. Guy was cruising. This fan base isn't going to tolerate that. You know, we're, you know, we won four championships fairly recently without being too heavily analytical. As much as I wish we fired Cora, he he's not used to being having analytics forced down his throat. So maybe that would be the one good thing of keeping him. Maybe he gets to run it the way he wants. I don't want to be hardcore analytical uh, as far as that goes. I agree. <clears throat> and it, it is a concern because, yeah, I, I hate that. Like seeing Merrill Kelly get pulled in last night's game and, and just seeing how like upset he was. I mean, if Arizona blew that game, you know, that's that's another Kevin Cash type of situation, like what he did with Blake Snell years ago in the World Series. So I don't want that to happen. I do think Cora is a good balance of analytics and also having a feel for the game. That being said, though, this past season, he he did a little bit of that. And it kind of cost him. There were games, there was a game early in the season that I'll never forget. It was Corey Kluber having his best start in a Red Sox uniform. And he was up to 64 pitches and Cora pulled him. And, you know, it was that that usual Cora bullcrap of the long haul and, you know, whatever. You know, I don't know if it was health related or not, but he does tend to do that. He will pull guys, especially early in the season, too early at times because he's all about it's a long season, got to keep guys healthy. So, is that analytics? Is that Cora just, is that Cora having a feel for the game or is that analytic? Like it could be a little bit of both. Um, but I, I don't think they'll go overboard analytical with Cora at the helm. Cause I don't think that he wants that. I don't think he would stay on if that was the case. So um, I'm hoping it doesn't happen, but cause I agree with you, Terry, like don't go too far in that direction, but I think Cora being there will help. Jason, did you say that Corey Kluber had a good start? Did you say that? He legitimately did. <laughs> well, yeah. I think it was like two of them. Yeah. Wasn't well, yeah. it against Baltimore? Am I, am I thinking of, is that the start I'm thinking it of? It might have been. It was super early in the season. He was cruising and he was at like, <laughs> yeah, 64 pitches and Cora took him out. And I think the Red Sox went on to lose that game. They did. And then, yeah, the, yeah I think I think Kluber's starts after that were all crap. So it's just <laughs> like stuff like that worries me. But I'm hoping that we don't get as much of that this um, year. Question for you both is Alex Cora thrilled about this hire what do you think if i had to guess he's okay with it i don't think he's over the moon about it but i also think that he probably loves the fact that brezel is a former player um i think that's a big thing with cora he probably had no connection to bloom whatsoever because bloom never played and it you know and, and it's one thing if you never played but you're a baseball guy quote unquote you know and you're a feel for the game kind of guy but 
Bloom having no MLB experience and then like being full on analytics and then some of the moves he made, I think Cora was just so sick of him by the end. I think Cora looks at Breslow and goes, you know what? This guy was a smart player, played for a long time, knows his pitching. So I think he's probably okay with it. Yeah. I was actually going to bring this up anyway, but it fits right into that. Um, uh, you know, sh- early into the process, I think it might have been within a day or so after Bloom was fired. Um, they said Alex Cora would have a role in in helping find the next president of baseball ops. And a report comes out last week that Cora had very little to no influence whatsoever on the process so far. And what's interesting about that is everybody dropped out. All those names I mentioned, Gomes, Ang, uh, Click, they all dropped out. And I wonder if Sam Kennedy was like, okay, so Alex can't be in the meetings. He can't be in the interviews because that's alienating some people. So I wonder if that was somewhat of a wake-up call to um, you know Kennedy and, and possibly ownership that maybe Cora should not be involved. Um, I don't. I I think he probably feels like any anyone but Bloom is probably a step forward. You know, is is he gonna be? You know, is he gonna be like the spoiled grandfather like Dombrowski was? Give him all the toys he wanted. You know whenever he needed them, you know, with the closer and all that. I don't think, I think those days are over and I think Alex Cora knows that, but, um, but we'll see. I, I, I'm just, I'm glad that we finally have some semblance of, of what's going to happen. Uh, the press conference will probably yield, uh, a lot more about what the mindset will be. Um, and it's going to be interesting for Cora going forward is, is Bloom, uh, Bloom. Wow. I, I should apologize. Uh, is Craig Breslow going to have, uh, the metaphorical gun to his head, uh, in July when Alex Cora is in his lame duck year and needs a, an extension. I mean, that's going to be a tricky spot for Breslow because hopefully we're contending. I can't take another losing season. I mean, I, I got to give realistically Breslow until year three before I start, you know, get, you know, really getting frustrated, but, but is, is he going to be forced uh, to extend him? Is that essentially, you know, a, a silent mandate, you know, right now? I don't know. It, you, you can make this case though. Say we make the playoffs and we're either in the wild card round or the ALDS and we get swept. I think you can fire Cora. I, I think, I think at least at that point, a case can be made. If you're game six of the ALCS, I think we're stuck with them. Yeah. I mean, at this point, all the pressure is on Alex Cora because it was a battle between him and Bloom, you know, and he won the battle, you know, Bloom's out of here. Cora stays. So now, you know, the front office can go to him and say, okay, look, you won the battle. Now you've got to go win us the war. We've got to get to the playoffs and we've got to advance in the playoffs if we get there, right? If this team, if, if Breslow builds you a playoff team, you're supposed to be the guy that's the difference maker at the helm. You should be able to navigate this team to, you know, 
advance around, maybe make the ALCS. If they just get unceremoniously dropped in the wild card round or something, then yeah, I think it it can definitely be on the table to say, look, you know, we we bought you the groceries this time. We bought you good groceries, and you burnt the dinner. So you know what 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 are we supposed to do with that? So yeah, there's a ton of pressure on Cora this time. You know, I was thinking about this when you guys were talking. I wonder now Cora's situation is a little interesting because he was technically fired or suspended and then they brought him back, but he has now survived. This will be his third general manager. I wonder how many or chief baseball officer, whatever the heck you want to call it, but I wonder how many managers have been a part of three different head of baseball ops Um you know, position, you know, switches. I just feel like that's really rare because usually when those positions um, transition, usually the manager is also on his way out. Um, Cora has somehow survived both of them, um, which is interesting. Mike Sosha might be the only one, uh, and I'm only saying that because he held that job for like 18 years. But yeah, I just, I hope, I hope he's under a ton of pressure, like Jason says, and I, I hope, I mean, if we have a new manager, uh, so be it. That's, that's what I want. <laughs> I, it's too bad. It's unfortunate that, that we're keeping him because he, th- this was a very good opportunity to, to completely hit the reset button. And you look at the trend every time we got a new well, I guess Bloom ruined it, but it was 2020. The three GMs before him all ha- had their own manager and and won the the World Series. Actually, Bloom and Sherrington. No, so is that incorrect? Oh yeah, it is correct because because Cora won it with his first year with Dombrowski. Yeah, and then and then Bloom uh, Sherrington won it with Farrell in his first year, and then obviously. Francona with Epstein. So we won't we won't get that we won't get to continue that pattern because we're getting a holdover manager, but well, at least not right away. Again, we'll we'll see how next season plays out because hopefully Breslow's not just a one and done. That that would be a horrible look for this organization. And I don't think that's the case. So again, tons of pressure on Cora because yeah, he, he knows that. He knows that at any point they could say, Well, he never got a chance to pick his own guy and you didn't get the job done. So that could very well happen. And if this fails again, and hopefully it doesn't, but let's just say Breslow sucks. Let's just say a lot of his moves blow up in his face. Sam Kennedy better be fired (laughs) the next time. He doesn't get to hire a third manager. Oh, I agree. Yeah. At that point, if, if Breslow's another failure, again, fingers crossed that it's not. But yeah, if he is, then you've got to look even higher up from that position. Okay. Yeah. Sam Kennedy's on the board and, you know, really start looking at that ownership group going, what are you guys doing? Like, why, why can't you figure this out? You know? And especially if like Kim Ang, wherever she ends up has like huge success, you know, if, if any of these other uh, CBO hirings do better than Breslow, then yeah, you've got to look at Kennedy and those guys and go seriously. Like, (laughs) do you guys know what you're doing at all? Um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a complete failure, but Again, you never know. I don't think so either. Any other final just thoughts, one, Mike? Yeah, just one last thought on Cora. Um, I know, Terry, you said you want him gone, you want a fresh start. The only thing about that is 
I can't blame him for last year at all with just the crap he was given from Bloom. Like the the pitchers that he was forced to pitch. I don't see how anybody could turn that into a winning team. And I'm not saying Cora handled everything great, but that was the, the pieces that he was given were so bad. And I just, I, I'm curious to see, we know what he has done in the past with a really good team. He won the world series. And if you give him a really good rotation, what can he do? That's what I want to know because it, it just felt like for the last three and a half years, his hands were kind of tied with what he was given. And I, I truly don't know if anybody could have won with the roster that the Red Sox had over the last couple of years. So I, I, I want to wait and see what Alex Cora looks like post bloom before I really make a, a decision on him. A couple of the things that just come to mind. I mean, we all complain about the load management, you know, the, the day off before the scheduled off day anyway. I mean, that's annoying. Um, I think Cora is partly to blame for the bad defense, not being able to resolve that. Um, that's been a glaring problem the last few years. And I don't like how, like when Kevin Ploiecki was designated for assignment, everybody stood in the clubhouse and cried. <laughs> I just, you know, I just feel like we, we need to be tougher as a team. And I think tougher leadership can uh, improve on that. But we do need better pitching. I mean, that he was never to blame for that. Yeah, I mean, what he was able to piece together with having a bullpen game pretty much every other day sometimes, um, that's that's just that's a really, really hard thing to ask any manager. So I agree. I'm, I'm curious to see what he looks like post-Bloom. Um, I, I think it will be a little bit better, but it also has to be, like, clearly drastically better because, you know, if they end up with 79 wins next season and out of the playoffs again, it's still kind of, well, that's not good enough. So – We'll see how all that shakes out. Uh, any other final thoughts before we wrap tonight? Just that I hope the Phillies can score a couple of runs. They uh, they didn't uh, get it done in the seventh, I just noticed. And they're going to have, I think, Ginkle in the eighth, Sewell in the ninth. So that's going to be a tough order. I've talked. I don't. We, we're not supposed to swear on the podcast, but I've talked a lot of shit, uh, you know, in terms of hyping up uh, Dombrowski. So... If they lose to the Diamondbacks, I'm going to be getting chirped uh, for yeah. for a good several hours. Yeah, Dombrowski's bats are, are going cold at the wrong time. So, uh, wow. yeah, we'll see how that goes. And uh, once we find out, we'll, we'll have a World Series to talk about. So we'll see how that all shakes out. So until then, we will uh, see you guys later. Take care. <laughs>